Today is Mother's Day. Now, um, Helen Bunklark here, she has felt really led by God some years ago to start uh, offering parenting courses, and she runs several parenting courses a year with other people. I think Roz is part of the team. I think Jenny, you participate. Others have Jan Holder, I think. Am I missing anybody out? So they've built up a lot of experience. They're invited into ch the local children's centers to run courses and given mothers to do courses with, and fathers too. So there's a wealth of experience here. And um, uh, uh, listen, please don't screw your faces up. Receive it. Suck it up because it's a, it's a great blessing. And, and Roz is also a special needs teacher. They're both parents as well. And uh, we, we invited people to put parents online, put questions in online. We have some questions that we have come in. So we will speak to those questions and, uh, and just share wisdom together. Parenting is very, very hard, right? It's one of the most, it gives you some of the greatest joys, but also some of the greatest challenges and uh, sorrows at times. So it, it, it's tough being a parent, and we know that. So um, I should quickly grab my crib sheet. And um, do, are we going with the one at the beginning, or what do you want to start with? <clears throat> so, so all kinds of questions came in. So in no particular order, as they often say on television... Um, there was a question about how much technology time should my child have. So there's various questions, some about boundaries, some about discipline, help with common problems. We'll touch on various things, okay? How much technology time should my child have? Who's on first? Okay, we've had to learn about this because obviously technology wasn't quite so rife when <laughs> our children were little, um, so we didn't face it personally, but it's obviously a question that often gets asked. So I would say there is no right or wrong amount of time that you need to, that you give, but it's right to consider the question and have some good controls. Um, so it might be, so I'll just, just throw out some, some things. It might be that you um, need to have some thoughts about boundaries. How much time do you allow your children to have? So things like, do you have no screen time at meal times? Um, so actually all phones are off and out of the way, so there's no touching phones um, during meals. Um, all screens going off an hour before bedtime. That's actually backed up by research that actually says our brains are triggered by the lights and things for television, computers. So actually having the feel that the, any screen off an hour before bed is a good thing. It will help your child to sleep. Um, maybe even phones downstairs at bedtime so they're not tempted um, to answer a text if it comes in at midnight, that sort of thing. It happens. Um, so maybe even having phones away from bed, bedrooms. Um, so I think you need to differentiate between um, game time and homework because obviously homework now is very much on computers, so they need to have computer time. Um, but you might need to think about how that, um, how, how they, whether they earn, um, that was something that Ross said that actually would be a good thing, to, to earn technology time. So they have to do certain things in order to get game time. Um, demonstrate control by limiting your own usage. So if you're wanting your children to do something, actually you need to demonstrate that. Um, actions obviously speak louder than words. Um, be very aware of the internet. Be If you're like, like me and haven't necessarily grown up with it, it is something that is very much a part of society and very much a part of the world that your children are growing up in. Um, so you need to be aware of what they're doing on the computer. Um, agree passwords, make sure social networking, you, you know what's happening um, in those um, places. 
um, and monitor the children's behaviour after they've used technology. Is it affecting them? If it is, you might need to consider tighter controls, um, that sort of thing. Um, I think that's possibly enough. <laughs> so um, there was a question about when is it appropriate for a child to go on a sleepover with friends? Um, so for this, you may decide never. You know, as a parental, <laughs> that is your right to say never. Um, I don't think there's ever a particular age, but there are questions that need to be asked. Um, do you know the family? Um, you know, if not, get to know the family. You know, just because you, your child is friends with somebody, do you want to put them in an environment that you don't know? Um, who else is going to be there? You know, are the parents going to be there? Are there older siblings? Um, and also, I think you don't feel guilty when your child says, but all my friends are going, or all my friends have got there. Different families have different rules, and that's okay. In this family, we don't feel it's right. And, you know, and it's hard when you get your children pressurizing you. Um, I also, this is something I read, which I thought was a really good thing. Um, you know, Reese is only um, eight, so we're not at that stage yet. But for teenagers, they have, you know, obviously more freedom. But your teenager may have got themselves into a situation that they wished they weren't there. They may have been at a sleepover or at a party that they think, actually, this is not going where I want it to be. You could have some sort of code where they could send you a text with an X on, which if their friends see it, it doesn't mean anything. But you know if they've sent you an X, it means I need help, I need a way out, I need you to come and collect me. So devise some sort of coding that your teenager can just say, okay, this has gone too far, I want a way out. So just think about that as well. Yeah, we had once had some children round and we showed them a film and afterwards we, we hadn't watched all the film and we realised it was a bit unsuitable in places so we had to phone the other parents and apologise about that. It's hard to get these things right all the time, isn't it? It's... Um, but thank God there's grace, and that, that's another big theme. Um, is it okay to let your children play outside on their own? What have I written down? Otherwise I'll forget. Um, yes, it's okay. But again, a bit like with sleepovers, you need to consider the circumstances. Um, you need to... Well, f why, why do they want to play outside? Have you not got a garden that they can play in? You could maybe invite people to come and play in your garden with your children. Um, yeah, so why do they want to go outside? Is it because there's other people out there, there's older children, they think it's going to be much more fun being out there? Well, okay, we had this um, when ours were, were little, and um, they used to hang on the window, oh, I want to go and play outside. It's like, no, it's a road. <laughs> um, but eventually we did, but we put controls in place, so they were not allowed to go beyond where I could see from the front window. Um, they could only go if there was another adult around. Just we, there were a few mothers, and so we used to agree that one of us would, would be outside. Um, what other children are there out there? So you need to think, just because there are older children does not make it safer, because actually the older children are not responsible for your child. You might think, oh, they'll be fine, there's somebody who's much older. No, because they might just wander off, which again happened to us, and they just followed. And it was like, oh, yeah, you need, just need to be very careful. Um, so, yes, set boundaries for your children, time they need to be in. 
Um, what's your road like? I mean, our road is a cul-de-sac, but at the end of a cul-de-sac is a dual carriageway um, with just a metal bar across the end. Um, so, you know, you have to think, where, where am I letting my child play? Um, some roads are different to other roads. Um, so, yeah, just lots of things. So, yes, it is okay, but you do need to consider the environment, what you're happy with, what your child is like. Some children are much more responsible than other children. Um, so actually, that, there's no age that you can say this is the right time. You need to consider your own child and what they are capable of doing and, and understanding. And consequences if they go beyond their limits. So if they go beyond, that's it. And they need to understand that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so now some questions sort of about discipline. What about if your child has a tantrum in public, he, she can't have what they want, and especially in the shops, it's, uh, some of us experienced this. Surely not. My Reese having a temper tantrum never. Um, so yes, it does happen, and it did happen. Um, you need to be strong, and the first state is ignore, ignore. And that is one of the toughest things to do because actually, you know, when he's screaming, I want sweeties. And it's like the easiest thing would be to say, grab the sweeties, give it him because the tempest tantrum stops. Don't give in. You know, don't give your child that extra power struggle of like a tantrum results in sweeties. Yes. So don't do that. Um, I felt when we were at the checkout of Tesco's and small child on the floor having screaming out dubs that I needed to let other people know I was in control. And so I would do a bit like the driving test thing. It's like I would speak to him, although he was in a tantrum and he wasn't in a position of being able to hear because he's already gone into lockdown mode of like the world is unfair. You know, it's like, I know you're upset, Reese. I know you wanted sweets, but mommy said no. And it's like, hello, world. I am in control of this situation. <laughs> I'm not just allowing my child to have temper tantrums. Um, but actually, and then the next time, you know, you go to Tesco's or wherever your child has a temper tantrum, you know, set something up in advance. You know, if your child is a struggle, you know, make it a shorter shopping trip. Reese used to be obsessed with having a shopping list. It kept him focused on ticking things off. So the result was less likely to have a temper tantrum. You know, have things in place. Sometimes you can get in just before the, the meltdown. Other times you can't and... It just happens. <laughs> and also, I would say, when you come back, it's okay for you to go to your husband and you're like, ah, that was a nightmare. You know, give yourself some time to say, that was a really tough situation. But, you know, not in front of your child, because, you know, there are times I've wanted to drag on like this. But <laughs> Can I just add a funny story? Um <laughs> Because temper tantrums are really hard. Um, but this, happened, this, was a, this was a story from somebody who came on one of my courses. And, um, and it actually is a bit like, I don't know if you've used, there's an advert that used to be on television of a mum who got on the floor and had a screaming fit when the child was having their screaming fit. So distraction can sometimes work. Well, we had talked about this in the course. And the next week, this, this mum came back in and she said, oh, you've got to hear this. My child at school, so picking up from the school gate, would... Um, just lay on the floor in the, in the playground and refuse to move. Absolute point blank. I, so, yeah, school-aged child and would just refuse to move. They just would not. She said, what do I do? So she <laughs> took my advice. She lay on the floor next to him. He never did it again. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was so embarrassed that his mother would do this. <laughs> well, that's what it looks like. So, 
You can try it if you're brave enough. You know, children will always identify your idols, and if your idol is your reputation, they have you over a barrel. And that's what's at stake in some of those situations. And uh, just, this is such helpful advice, you know, because we need wisdom for our foolishness as well as salvation for our sinfulness. And, uh, and this is good. So, uh, there's a quote in the authorised version of the Bible. It's in the, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, which says, Spare the rod and spoil the child. And um, which is, in other words, means it's talking about physical punishment, about spanking or smacking, that kind of thing. Or it may be. And uh, currently... Well, it says here, the law of the land said we must not, which I'm not sure it does, actually. Um, but what do you think? Do I have a taker on this? Oh, it's Helen. Helen. Ros says it's Helen. This is like when you're playing doubles. It's when you're playing doubles. Your ball. <laughs> okay. Personally, um, I would say smacking is okay. Um, we did. Um, not very many times, because actually if it's done in a right and proper way, it doesn't need very many times. No. Um, the underlying principle of that verse is discipline. Um, and that is undeniable. Children need discipline. How you do it is really important. Um, the actual methods, there are lots and lots of different methods. So if you don't want to smack, there are other things you can do, and that's fine. And I think with all, all discipline, there are things that you need to bear in mind. So things like, you, so this obviously with smacking is you should not be angry yourself. So if you, are, if you are angry, do not lash out at your child because that's where things can get difficult and you do end up potentially with abuse situations, which is obviously what this is about, you know, people not wanting it to happen. So don't be angry. Um, so with, with, with one of our daughters, there was a particular point we were very hot, we, you know, lying was something that was very, and stealing were the two things, you know, and, and actually there was always an occasion where I discovered that one of our daughters had stolen something and obviously that really upset me and it was it was nothing it was it was such a tiny tiny little thing when I look at it now I'll tell you it was a glittery bauble it wasn't from a shop it was from somebody else's house um but obviously they'd taken it without asking and whatever so that was one occasion where I where I smacked and um but I sent them to their room and I took a deep breath and I thought I've got to go and do this and then we dealt with it and it never happened again, which is actually what we're wanting, isn't it? We're wanting a, an outcome. We do not want stealing to be part of our children's lives. We do not want lying to be part of our children's lives. Yeah. And it needs to be tackled. Um, so things like um, other, other things you need to think about. Have you, been, have you given them warning? They knew the, that what the, circum, what the um, consequence thank you, was going to be. Um, and, and I think the thing is, is when it, when it happens, it does become, with smacking, it's, it's a rarity. It needs to be something that, is, that you don't do all the time because it's, it's, it's too, that, that then it, it, it um, belittles the effect of it. Um, with any discipline, with all discipline, whatever method you choose, whatever you do, there must be a restoration of the relationship afterwards. Um, that is so, so important because everything to do with parenting comes back to relationship. Um, the child needs to make sure that it's the behaviour that wasn't correct, not them themselves. So they're not a naughty child. The behaviour they did was wrong. Because you love that child. They're not naughty. They did a naughty thing. 
and I think that's quite important. It can be quite tricky to separate that in your head, but, um, but I think that's quite an important thing. Yeah, so, um, so, so, yeah, discipline is, is very, very important. How you do it, there are lots and lots of different ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. So another question is, what can be done if parents disagree about disciplining their children? I think you, first of all, need to agree to disagree at that point. In front of your child, you need to have a united front. So even if your husband or wife is doing something that you really disagree with, do not belittle that in front of your child. Do not say, that's wrong, you shouldn't do that. Afterwards, it is correct to have that conversation with your partner to say, do you know what, I'm, I'm not on the board with that. How can we come to a mutual ground of agreeing that? But whatever you do, have a united front in front of your child. Your child needs to know that they can't play one and off against the other as well. They need to know that daddy hasn't have one set of rules and mommy has another, but that you are united. So you probably have got to have, got to have conversations away from your child, but in front of your child, be united. Got my own mic now. So, um, uh, what about? Oh, yes. So there was this, this one about grandchildren are being given iPads to entertain themselves too often. I want to stop this. My daughter-in-law's got quite defensive. How do I do this? Discuss. Okay, my notes are written here. That's your opinion. <laughs> Not sure you can stop this. Who's the parent? And who's the grandparent? Um, you might see things that, that are happening that you think, oh, I don't like that. Um, but it, it, I don't think... I'm obviously not talking from experience here. Um, but this is just you know, thoughts. Um, I, don't, I think you've got to maybe take a different viewpoint as a, as a grandparent. Um, so rather than being aggressive and saying, I want to stop this and I'm going to make sure I you know, walk in and stop it, take a different stand because actually that's going to drive a wedge between relationships and that's not helpful um so things to consider do you need to spend more time with your daughter-in-law it may be that she's struggling and for her the easiest option is the ipad because she doesn't know what else to do so spending more time with her taking more more part in their life might actually open up and build relationship rather than saying yeah i'm going to stop this um Offer to have the children um, from time to time. Find, develop a, an interest with the children um, that is special for you. Um, whenever they come to your house, demonstrate not using the computer. Um, have lots of other activities for them to do so that they're involved in doing stuff and so they don't have to think about having that as, a, as, a, as an option. Um, don't use your computer, your phone, your TV. You have those things off. Again, it's modelling. Um, so rather than keep on that it's too much, maybe even take an interest on their computer games. Um, understand what they're doing. It can be difficult, um, but it, it actually is a good thing. I just remember this is a nice story with, with Naomi. At one point, we... <laughs> She was playing chess on the, on the computer, and I thought, oh, what are you doing? But I went and sat next to her and said, tell me about it. What are you doing? Why are you moving that piece? I have absolutely no idea about chess. And so she sat and she talked it through with me, and, and we, you know, it, it, 
didn't generate an interest in chess for me, um, but it meant that I spent time with her, but on her level, doing something that she was interested in and that she was doing. So sometimes we have to not just block everything, but think, how can I actually build a relationship with my child um, at this point, um, doing what they're doing? Um. I think there's a place as well for the parent in that situation to just politely explain to their parents or their parents-in-law that you know there are boundaries here. These we're the ones bringing up these children. We appreciate you. We love you. We want your help. But give your advice, then leave it to us to make those decisions and to set those boundaries too. So, um, my son or daughter is being bullied at school. They don't want me to speak to the teacher. What do I suggest to them? Okay. Um, first of all, make sure that you listen and believe your child so that they know that, that they have got your support. Make time for them. This is a time when your child could be feeling really vulnerable and might close in on themselves. So, as we said, get alongside your child, spend time with them. Teach them to be assertive and not aggressive. Practice at home saying, you know, stop. I don't like that. Please stop it. Um, you know, stop doing this to me. So it is good to teach your children some assertive skills as well. Ask them if they are able to go and speak to the teacher. Um, but if they say no, I personally believe as a parent we need to say, well, okay, I, need, I am going to go and speak to your teacher because this is not right. I do not want you being upset. And also, the child who is bullying you, they may be needing some extra help themselves. You know, they may be in a place of vulnerability themselves. So they also need help. So you can explain it as, we're doing this to help both of you. Um, also, I would say be very careful of the school gates. Be careful of the chats. At the school gates, don't be saying, oh... Tommy Jones has been really hurting my son. Does he hurt your son as well? That is going to really spread rumours and label that child. Just keep quiet. Keep it within your family, you know, and deal with it within your family and within the school. You know, often a child who is a bully, there is a reason they could be coming from a, a bad place themselves. So we don't want to make their life worse. But actually, as a parent, you want to protect your own child and don't dismiss it, you know, However small it is at the beginning, don't dismiss it, treat it, because, you know, we all hear the horrific stories of bullying, where the stages they can get to. Um, my child won't eat, what do I do? That's a good question. Okay. So, don't let the lack of eating become a focus of attention. Um, so, eating is one of the big things. Eating and sleeping, I think, are the two, are two big things with our children. We want them to eat, we need them to sleep so that we can get a rest. But so, so, eating can very much become a focus. They won't eat, they won't eat. You start talking about it, you talk about it with them, you talk about it with everybody else. How do I get my child to eat? Wanting advice. And if the child picks up on that children are um, 
<laughs> they know things. <laughs> they, they know, oh, this is getting mum's attention. This is causing a problem. And actually, they could use it to exacerbate the situation, actually make it, even, make it worse. Um, so positive things, where possible, sit down and eat meals together. Um, take time to, to have a meal time together at a table. Children will then see that it's perfectly normal. You're, eating all the, you're all eating the same thing. So if there's something they don't like, they, they, it's not, they can see it's not poisonous. You know, it's just maybe they don't like it at that particular point in time. Watch your portion sizes. You know, are you putting a massive plate of dinner in front of them and expecting them to eat it all? Um, well, that might be unreasonable. Um, and so actually giving them just a small bit and making them eat that and then adding to it is a better way around of doing it rather than giving them a big plate, um, that sort of thing. Um, what are you giving them to eat during the day? Are they having lots of snacks and crisps and you know, other stuff between mealtimes? Um, maybe you need to watch what you're doing at those times and just giving them you know, the, the meals. Um, allow them to help with food preparation so they actually get to feel it um, and, and be, a, be a part of, of the meal. Um, when children are young, um, actually allow them to play with their food. Um, that was, <laughs> comes, comes from a special needs teacher. <laughs> um, so it's, not, it, it, it's something that they, they, they're happy with and they, they know, what, you know sort of what, what it's about. Um, so, and they might even, while they're playing with it, taste it and... Yeah, eat it um, and find that it's actually all right. Um, it was on that one with a lot of the children that I work with, food is a barrier. And so we've had advice from, from hospitals that deal with children with anorexia as well as children who are fussy eaters. And it's to take the stigma and the pressure away from food. And it's to have that joint thing. So, you know, to have, not at meal times, messy plays, not meal times, that's a separate time. So it is to have, you know, spaghetti or chocolate mousse. And so they can see that, you know, this isn't an alien thing. This is a fun thing. Duncan was horrified when Reese and I had fun with. So I know it's not for everybody. I loved it, but <laughs> I know it's not for everybody. Um, yeah, so it's, it's there, there, so there's two sides. There's very much the positive, the positive view of food and, and, and encouraging that. Um, but there's also then for you as a parent not to be drawing attention to it. So when you're sitting at a meal table and they're not eating, don't keep saying, next mouthful, next mouthful, next mouthful, because they're just going to get further and further away. But actually, you're eating. If they don't eat it, fine. And then you can start the consequences. If you don't eat your dinner, there is no pudding. Um, or if you get to the end of mealtime, they still haven't eaten their dinner, come back later, I'm hungry, put the dinner back in front of them again. Don't give them something else. Put the dinner back in front of them. You know, that, you, that, 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 that sort of, if you like, consequences. We, we obviously try to build up the positive first, but then there are also consequences if, if they don't eat. Um, and if they go to bed hungry, they go to bed hungry. Dare I say it, it's actually okay. Children will not starve themselves um, or give them a slice of bread or something that's very, very non, definitely not chocolate. Um, or not anything they want or like, but something very bland. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, Ros has mentioned anorexia, which is clearly a very serious problem, and um, that you know help needs to be asked for in that situation. <clears throat> we generally used to get to try and get our child to clear their plates, but I'm not sure that was a good idea. 
We tried them on liver on one occasion and they didn't like eating liver. It was only when we moved house and we had to dismantle something in the kitchen we found where all that liver had gone. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> How do I get my child to sleep in their own bed? That's another question. Um, I would say routine is really important. Um, you know, have story at night time you know quiet time don't let daddy do mass tickling just before bedtime <laughs> never happened with us <laughs> um be persistent be persistent you know if your child gets up put them back into bed kiss tuck them in if they get up again keep putting them back in you know maybe camp outside their bed but do this perhaps to weekend when you have not got to get up at six o'clock the next morning for work, you know, pick your timing when you have got the battle, to, the fight to be able to do this. Um, if your child gets into bed in the middle of the night, Reese would do this if he's had a nightmare. He would come in and said, I've had a nightmare. And he would come in for a cuddle. And so the first time, you know, I comforted him, he stayed there and it was okay. The next night, I've had another nightmare. Okay. Okay, we stay there. I've had another nightmare. Okay, I can see the pattern here. So we now he has a nightmare. If he comes in, he has a cuddle. We calm him down. He goes back into his bed or I get into his bed with him. So it's like, you know, children are very quick to have a routine that they quite like the comfort of coming into your bed. You know, you may decide that, you know, this is a no-go area. I know one lovely mommy in this church, she used to have a mattress by her bed and go, oh, there you go. You stay there. So it's not, you know, so they're near you, they're next to you, but, you know, you're not setting into a routine. Um, I would also say for, for children, you know, that we got into the habit of, like, if you say, well, I'm going to have a nightmare or whatever, you know, praying over them. You know, if you're a Christian family, pray that, you know, Jesus is with them. Those nightmares are going to be no more. And so, you know, you're putting authority into their bedrooms as well. Um, but, yes, it is one, but I would say you need to be persistent you need to keep reinforcing that this is their bed. And also, you know, we discovered that Reese had a torch and he did got up to all sorts of mischief with his torch and his toys. So, you know, think about the stimulation that's in your child's room as well that may be encouraging them not to want to stay in their bed as well. <laughs> I'm thoroughly enjoying this. It's very good. So... How do I get my child to listen to me? Do we do the same? Okay. Okay, I'm going to get you involved in this. Oh, yeah, do. Should we just? Um, can I? Can I have um, a volunteer who doesn't mind talking for a little while um, about any subject? So it could be. Um, your hobby, it could be what you've done this morning. Would anybody like to volunteer to do this? Yeah. Oh, Duncan can talk. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, uh... <laughs> right. So I'm going to listen to what Duncan has to say. All right. Anything. 
talk about what you've done this morning, talk about... Just, talk. Um, just keep talking. Watches, anything? Uh, Jeep? Watches, your hobby, your Jeep, anything. Anything, just, just talk. <laughs> <laughs> to you. To me. Are you welcome? Okay. So, we're, we're just having a conversation. Okay. So, yeah, Reese. we were talking to Reese this morning, and... He just went on and on and on about some different bits and pieces. Now I was trying to get him this morning to think about um, Mummy's Day today and how it was actually going to be. To um, you know that it was important that it was her day and not his day, and it was a bit of a struggle to get him to understand that concept because he decided he wanted some football cards and uh, he wanted to buy some football cards and apparently Mummy had told him he wasn't going to be able to buy these football cards and so he decided he was going to pitch me on it instead and they were only £5 for 20 cards. Sorry, and, I am uh, You're not. But anyway, so yeah. <laughs> 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 Duncan, how do you feel? Uh, I feel... Uh, I feel like you weren't really interested in what I was saying to you. I feel like I was... Uh, <laughs> okay. 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 Thank you, Duncan, for being willing to do that. So that was a bit extreme, but was it? And that's adult to adult. Do our children also get that from us? And if that made Duncan feel like that, how do our children feel? when we don't listen to them. Now, I know the question was, how do I get my child to listen to me? But I think one of, those, one of the things is, how do, we, how do we listen? What is important in listening? So what do you think, from what we've just had there, what, what, what's important in listening? Eye contact, contact yeah. My grandson said to me once, listen with your eyes. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because yeah. obviously my eyes weren't Yeah. Anything else? What do you mean by that, Barney? Uh, well, yeah. Um, okay, so that answer there was about body language, is about how you how you are. If you're sitting facing the person, um, that's much much better than actually sitting away or looking away. Or you actually need to be engaged with the person. With children, sometimes it can be that you need to a, a touch. They call it touch listening. So a little hand on the shoulder or holding a hand, so that they know that you're connected. Um, and that can be really important. So if we want our children to listen to us, we need to listen to them. Um, also, how do you talk to your children? Um, do you, um, as we had in our house at one point, our, our kitchen is two rooms back from our living room, so I would holler from the kitchen, time for dinner, zero response. Time for dinner, zero response. So by the time I've got to third time, I'm getting cross, so I storm into the lounge. Why aren't you coming and sitting at the table? <laughs> they hadn't heard me. So it's not necessarily that they're not listening. It's are we communicating properly and well? Um, so in that instance, it was going into the living room, getting their attention, saying, I need you to come and sit at the table, or giving them a warning, in five minutes you need to come and sit at the table. 
getting them to, have you heard what I've said? Yes. So they re re respond back with what the instruction is. And then you're all much more calm. I think often we say they're not listening to me, but actually are we communicating what we want to them? Um, so I think that's actually, that's, that's quite important in the listening. Uh, is there anything else I need to say there? So yes, yeah, so it is, it's about respect. Respect listening to them. If we model listening, they're more likely to listen to us. Um, as, a, as an ex, sort of a, a, an add-on to this, because I think it's important, you know, we say children need our time and attention, they need it, but they also need to learn when it's appropriate to wait, that children can't have our attention instantly all of the time. So if you're having a, pho a phone conversation and your child, it's always the time they will come and interrupt you, I can guarantee it, um, you need to acknowledge that they're there, and sometimes actually just by touching them, they know that you, that you know you're, they're waiting. Um, and then um, it's obviously something you need to talk about with them beforehand. Say, you know, if you need to speak to me, let me know. You know. I will acknowledge this by touching you, but you will need to wait until I finish my conversation until we talk. And then do ensure that you follow through with that and you do go and talk to them. Um, because it's not always appropriate that you stop something instantly. They need you. Um, so there needs to be a way of allowing them to, to know that you have heard and you're, and you're ready to talk to them when it's appropriate. Uh, my children are always fighting. <laughs> you were a sibling. <laughs> oh, dear. These are all such major topics. <laughs> um... And I don't have great experience of this, I'm very pleased to say. <laughs> um, but things that we've read and things that we, we, we try and work on. So, don't compare your children. Um, so don't, be, asked, don't say, be saying things like, I wish you were more like so-and-so. Why can't you be more like so-and-so? Because this instantly puts them against each other rather than building relationship. Um, it is fairly normal for children to have some sort of rivalry. Um, having siblings is the main um, sort of their social set. It's where they learn how to relate to other people. Um, it's how they settle disagreements. They learn these things. Um, and within this environment, they learn to share. Um, they can deal with jealousy, um, accept people's differences. All that happens within the family setting. Um, so it's important that we recognize that, that actually it's normal, but we need to then help them through it. Um, also, just part, it's part of development. So a toddler is going to get to a stage when they're about two when they realize they're an individual person and everything becomes mine. Um, but that's part of normal development. It doesn't mean we ignore it, but it's understanding that it's there. Um, so um, place in a family is an older child gets a lot more responsibility put on them. They get things earlier. Yeah, they're allowed to stay. They're allowed to stay out till midnight. Why can't I? Well, they're three years older than you, you know. But children don't necessarily understand that, and they just need to be told it. Um, there are times when there are special needs, where there's illness. Those things where a child might be, become a bit more of a focus of attention, and another child can find that difficult. Um, but again, it's understanding that these are things why sometimes children do fight. Um, so things that we can do positively to help this. Um, is obviously it's talking about sharing. Um, so when they're young, talking about that. Having games maybe where the, uh, or, pos or possessions that are family possessions rather than individual possessions. So a, a family game, so it, you're all part owners of it so that you're learning how to share. Um, 
giving, giving individual attention so that they, as well as family time. So actually each individual member of the family is valued for who they are as an individual, but then also you need to ensure that you're building family time so that they know that you're working together as a group. Um, don't show favoritism. Um, don't dismiss angry feelings towards another one um, because that will happen, um, as we've said. Um, but obviously you need to correct inappropriate behaviour. Um, so, but don't, don't dismiss it and say you're not supposed to think like that. Well, actually, children do have angry feelings. They do not like the fact that things are different. So acknowledge it and deal with it. Don't try and say that it shouldn't be there. Um, you should help them settle their own disputes. Don't always jump in and try and solve it for them. Um, you, if you're not in the room and see everything, you're never going to have the full picture and you might have a tendency to favour one person and not the other. Um, so be careful with always jumping in. Help them to learn to settle their own. Avoid regular struggles. If you know there's always a fight for the computer at a certain time, it may be that you've got to say to them, how can we work this out together? If they're always fighting over the remote, well, it might just have to be they've got, they've got to sort it out. Sort it out or neither of you have it, that sort of thing. Um, encourage, encourage acts of kindness between them. So actually, if you've got one out on their own and you're shopping, we've, we've done this, it's what chocolate bar would, would the other person like? So you're actually saying, think about the other person, think about them and, and what would they like, and then you buy it, they buy it for them and they give it to them. So you're actually encouraging positive thoughts between them. Um, I think that's, is that okay? I might jump, mm -hmm. is that all right? Yeah. And just go to the, the, the last one. <laughs> yes. I, just to say, these guys... I think they serve other people. They make a difference to families in this community and, and those of you in the team as well. I, we could have put several people up here, but I just I picked these guys. And, um, and, and people from the church can go along on these courses too. You know, we can, and we can make a difference. We are making a difference to families. And I think we should really thank God for that and honour these guys and, and as we honour all mothers. Being a mother is very, very tough. It's very, very tough. So um, there was a question that came in. Your teenage son has started to wear makeup and dress like a girl. He's asked to change his name to a girl's name. How do you react? <clears throat> Don't act hastily. Don't get angry because you want to maintain a relationship with your son. Your son needs to know that they have got your unconditional love, whatever decisions they make. They need to have time to work things through. You need to get alongside them and allow them to talk through their thoughts. Be grateful that they have chosen to speak to you. That is a positive thing. Also be aware, is this a cry for help, for attention? Or has this been something that's been mulling through their minds for quite some time? Do not dismiss it and say, it's just a phase. Ask questions of what, how they came to this decision, but again, in a non-judgmental way. From a Christian point of view, 
don't ram things down their throat, it's not going to help, but grace will. Also, be kind to yourself. Allow yourself time with your husband, wife, to have a meltdown, to have a cry, to have a questions, to be real. The most important thing is, is to remain loving to your son, to support and to keep relationship and conversation going. That your son will always be your son, regardless of the choices they make. So don't put a barrier there that means that they don't feel they have got their parents with them on whatever decision they make, whether you like it or not. You know, there are choices our children make that we would not make for them. And there are choices our children make to test boundaries. But regardless, we are the adults and we want to love them. Okay, so I feel a bit, bit grilled. Um, but <laughs> if you want to know more, um, as Andrew's already said, we do run um, regular parenting courses. Um, they're a six-week course. Um, the next one is starting um, in May, May the 10th, in the evening here. Um, if you're interested, if you'd like to, I mean, we, we are actually full on that course, um, which is great. Um, so, But I can put your names in a waiting list because sometimes... Cause People do drop out at the last minute, so obviously you know, I can I can still put people on. But we will also be running another one um, probably in September, again in the evening. Um, so yes, these are great opportunities for us to to share. Um, our, our experience is that we're parents, and it's parents helping parents. Um, we, we're not sitting ourselves up there as uh, developmental psychologists or anything. We have learned along the way um, and through what people have said. And, but a lot of it is, is parents just, just talking about what do I do. We keep groups fairly small um, so that parents can actually talk about their own situation. So it's not a classroom situation where it's just information that goes over heads. They're actually engaging with it and relating it to their specific um, situations. So it really is... Um, a, a very valuable course. I thoroughly enjoy it every time that we do it. I learn something new each time. And um, yeah, I value your support because um, it, is, it is hard because you don't know what you're going to get thrown at. Um, but it is it's great to be able to support. And we have over the years supported many, many families in the community um, through doing this. So um, that's good. There we go. Sorry, I hadn't switched the mic on. You know, children, what, parenting is a lot about what's caught more than what's taught, isn't it? And when we were over in America recently visiting our 29-year-old daughter, she's sharing a flat with a couple of girls from Colombia and a girl from Germany. And, um, and while we were there, I have this thing, you know, I say, oh, sorry about that. And yeah, I'm always saying sorry, apparently, because the girl said, these other girls said, oh, Katie, that's where you get this from. Right? You're always saying sorry because your dad does it. 
<laughs> and and they're trying to stop her from doing it. And and there can be this, you know, they pick up stupid things from us as well, don't they? And and so we need God's grace. We need God's help. And because your children will catch stuff from you, so that there's the biggest driver for you to actually sort your life out. Is otherwise you visit more stuff on your children than than you need to. So, you know, there was a lovely. I don't know whether you've got the my PowerPoint there, Kyla, but uh, this was last year uh, in April. Um, Katie posted on Facebook, this is the daughter who's in America, she said, my mum, Elspeth, is passionate about not saying behind someone's back what she wouldn't say to their faces, not gossiping. I don't think I've heard her say a bad word about anyone. Um, I think I might have done occasionally, but it's, uh, <laughs> but I'm realising this morning what a blessing it was to be taught such a lesson of trust by my mother, to be able to trust and to hope to be trustworthy. Thanks, Ma. And, uh, you know, there's, there's good things. Mums, you, you make a difference in, in children's lives, and those things are so important. The scripture says children are like arrows, and, you know, we're making arrows to send into the world to do the will of God. And... Um, the, it, the arrow is something, the child brings something to that, we bring something to that. We do the best we can, and, um, and God is very gracious beside it. I've told you the story before about our Katie. She was always losing things as a child, which used to make me really mad. And um, one day she came home and she'd left her bus pass. This was when she was doing A-levels. She'd left her bus pass on the bus, so her whole purse with her bus pass in. And, uh, and, and I was thinking, well, that's a, that'll teach you then, you know. To teach you about, you know, that you should put things, when you've shown the bus pass, you should put it back in your, your handbag, you know, your backpack or whatever, and that'll teach you. And she said, oh, I've prayed to God, I'm sure I'm going to get it back. And, uh, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then that, that Saturday she was in Woking, she went to Woking College, she was in Woking um, with a friend, and the bus driver, she made friends with the bus driver, that's the sort of thing Katie does. The bus driver was driving the bus, was on duty on the Saturday, and saw Katie and stopped the bus, not at a bus stop, opened the door and flagged Katie over and gave her her purse back. <laughs> and, uh, and then you realise God is more gracious that, than you are. Uh, it is also true to say that a few weeks later she left her bus pass on the bus again and she didn't get it back. So, you know, children do have to learn stuff. They have to learn responsibility, but... God is also very kind. And, you know, we need help. I, and just f- finally, you know, this, 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 I love the story at the beginning of the book of Luke. You remember when John the Baptist was conceived and his father couldn't speak? Some of you might remember this story. It's very familiar from the nativity accounts. And the father couldn't speak. And then it comes to the eighth day after the child is born and they were going to circumcise the child. Obviously, they were Jewish and they were going to be doing that. They were going to name him as would be the custom after his father, so he would be Zechariah the 15th, or because his father was called Zechariah the 14th, <laughs> whatever it is. And, um, but, it's, but, but, it, but we read, his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. Right? No, he's to be called John. There's a place for mothers to speak up and say, no, there's a destiny on this child. There's an arrow to be made here. And whatever, your child might have people at school, or even a teacher telling them stuff, and you see, no, your name is John. You're, you're, this, is your, this is who you are. You're, you're calling out, you're naming that something of their destiny over them because you know you're making arrows. Our granddaughter, born in 2017, she's, all things being equal, she'll live to the 2100s, won't she? I wonder what she'll do in her life. Well, it's our job to call that out of her. Mothers, that's what you do. 
You call out the destiny over, over boys and girls in your care and you make an eternal difference because God has a plan for those little ones. Right? Prophets do go up from little boys. Jesus grew up from a little boy. Thank God for that. So let him be the center. Jesus be the center.